Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. They say life is stranger than fiction. But then we need a computer to do it, but we cannot actually, even with all the computing power on the earth, have a computer powerful enough, unless maybe Santa has an entire planet somewhere that's just one giant computer. But sometimes what we see in movies or read in books is so incredible that it obviously couldn't be possible. Or could it? Light is both a wave and a particle. It turns out everything is both a wave and a particle, even electrons and protons in your body. So let's say we can put centre into a quantum state. Welcome to Sci-Fi Sci-Fact. I'm Brian Crump, and this is a podcast where we take science fiction's strangest ideas, weirdest elements, most unfeasible plot drivers, and explore if they could actually happen in real life. Maybe they already have. And in every episode, we bring in a scientist from New Zealand's McDiamond Institute to explain the theories behind some of fiction's more fantastic flights of fancy, if any theory exists. Ho, ho, ho. In this Merry Christmas Eve special, Jan Aldridge, Associate Professor in Physics at the Faculty of Science in Auckland University, decks the halls of science to tell us how Santa might actually make all those annual deliveries on Christmas Eve, down the chimneys, in time. I'm Santa Claus. Right, and I'm the Tooth Fairy. Well, I guess I'll just have to do it my way. Holy cow, how'd you do that? See, what'd I tell you? Come on, Santa Claus ain't real. Want to go for a ride? A ride? A ride on that? I've never even been in a plane. Well, you'd better make up your mind. I'm pretty busy tonight. Yeah, sure, if it's all right. <laughs> Do you know how to say, yo? Yo? Let's kick off with, with an obvious question. Why is it that we never see Santa, we just see what Santa leaves behind? Well, I mean, I, I had a hard think about this, and I had to think about there's a couple of things that, if I was Santa, what I would do. Um, one of them is there is now this, like, it's, it's big business to try and have cloaking technology, something that you can wear or use to block out the fact that you're there. Um, and there's actually a company I found out called Hyperstealth that basically have used some kind of lens. It's like a plastic see-through screen. And if you look at it up, it just looks like a piece of glass. But if you stand behind it, 
nobody can see you. And they kind of see what's behind you because this piece of glass is designed in such a way that it diffracts and reflects the light, just like a normal lens does, but like in an extreme way. So that, you know, if you're standing close to it, it's hidden, but everything behind it is very far. So you can think that maybe um, Santa has his sleigh um, or himself fitted out from these shields. So suddenly if somebody sees him or he hears somebody moving around, he can bring up the shield and you can actually just, you can hide very effectively. You might think, hmm, there's a funny something over there, but you wouldn't be able to actually see that it was Santa Claus. There's one problem, however, Jan, and that is a cloak that's actually a, a, a thing of, like a like a plane of glass that he's going to have to carry it with him, assuming it's a he, of course. It may not be. Yeah. Santa yeah. is going to have to carry this with him or her wherever he or she goes. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's why, I mean, there is, Another thing I've read recently is the same thing that we know that um, certain, I think, species of octopi can actually change their skin colour. And so what I think a lot of people are trying to do now is try and mimic that with some sort of chemical reaction. So I know recently there's been a paper out where somebody has actually like almost got like a sticky bit of skin or something that you can stick onto yourself. And it can make, if you adjust it right, it can be as if you're looking through your hand with some camera or something. I don't know if it would work with the human eye, but, I mean, we've seen this before in um, one of the James Bond movies. I can't think which it is, where the car had, like, um, screens on the outside. And you see this in a lot of science fiction shows where suddenly the plane disappears because it's basically got LED screens all over it. And you take a picture through the other side, and so you know what to look like. It knows what to look like on the other side as if you were looking through it. So if you actually wanted something like that, people were actually trying to develop that technology. It's not actual physically reasonable yet. But considering we can have flexible screens like on your phone, you know, if you have a suit made out of that rather than your very warm red material, um, then you would be able, I don't know how effective it would be, but certainly people again would have trouble seeing you if you were just looking like exactly like you should look like if they could see right through you. Could the suit that changes colour have a base colour, a um, default colour of red? Because you know, that would yep. be handy to go with the myth, wouldn't it? Or the yep, fact, exactly. depending on your point of yep. view. Yeah. Yeah, no, precisely. So you can make it look like, which is also another application, why we're all thinking about camouflage. Can you imagine how great it would be if you could go out somewhere and, you know, you, you, your outfit clashes with somebody else and you suddenly want to change your colour? It will be really useful. Now, Jan, you're a physicist and one of the biggest mm -hmm. challenges, and even when I was a kid, this used to, I used to struggle with this one. How is it that Santa manages to go to so many places and seems to be just about everywhere at once, you know? That seems to be really taking physics to the hilt, to the extreme, yeah. maybe beyond the extreme, beyond the event horizon. Well, you, you really made me think when setting this one, and actually it also gives an answer possibly to why we never see Santa. So um, one of the most difficult things about physics is you have to kind of throw out everything you understand for even your own eyes and ears about how the world works. Because when we go down to the very small level, the quantum mechanics level, things get a bit strange. And um, for people like us, when we're on this big, normal scale of stuff, it's very difficult for us not to be anything other than like people not be anywhere. But let's say we can put center into a quantum state. And so there's something like a, a small particle that's flying along can be many different places at once. And um, this goes back to the idea of Schrodinger's cat where you have a cat in a box and there's like some quantum thing that can go off and maybe um, put the cat to sleep or 
um, it doesn't do anything so the cat stays awake. And so you don't know if the cat's in a box because of this quantum event, which is maybe a radioactive decay. You don't know if the cat's awake or asleep. So let's say we could put Santa into a similar quantum state by no one looking at him, right? putting him in a box. And if you were to do this in such a way, maybe Santa can be everywhere in the world at once and then get everything done at the same time. So not only, I'll get onto why this means you can't see him and might not see him in a minute, is but if you don't know where he is, he could be everywhere at once because particles kind of seem to do this in certain situations. And it's only when you actually measure where they are, do you know, you don't know where they've been, but you know where they end up. Because that's the thing that, you know, then Santa can go and visit all the places at once because no one's looking at him. Then maybe if someone wants to possibly think they see him, he could actually then, rather than being where they think he is, he can collapse and suddenly be somewhere else. But wouldn't, so because I thought when you're observing, and if once something's observed, it's no longer either or. Once it's observed, it is either positive or negative. It is there. Yeah. So once yeah. he's seen, but doesn't that, that quantum spell get broken? But, but yeah, but then what if you observe him that he's not there? And because he's got to be everywhere, it's a very low chance that he's somewhere. So, but, but the other problem, um, Jan, is it doesn't Santa have to be smaller than an atom for this to work? He has to be part of an atom. He has to be a quantum particle, doesn't he? And Santa, Santa looks like a, a, you know, a fully-fledged human, a rather large one yeah. even. Yeah, yeah. No, this, 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 I'm not saying that's not a problem. But one of the things <laughs> is when you look at the, when you look at the Schrodinger's cat experiment, there you've got something that is a big person, but you put them in a quantum state because you're reducing the measurement of whether they're awake or asleep down to a single quantum event, which is a single particle, a single atom decaying or not. And so, if you can, I don't know how you do this. I'm just saying, if we could, if we could somehow reduce Santa down so where, wherever he was was dependent on one quantum event possibly you could do this I mean but this is kind of the fun thing with physics because you're completely correct it works for particles doesn't work for us but then some of the fun stuff is when we try and make quantum work in the bigger and bigger world and that that and I'm stretching to try and make an explanation but that's the best thing I can come up with so if we could try and do better quantum mechanics better experimental quantum mechanics maybe maybe Santa has Lots more knowledge than us because he's been around for a lot longer. So maybe he can uh, work out how to do that. Can I ask you a question, Jan? And this is a bit of an aside, yep. but it, I find this stuff so fascinating because it is a bit of a a, a, a mind mesh for me, mind blow. Uh, and that is quantum physics. Was it a theory at first that some very clever people use this either or this superposition um, mm -hmm. thing that you can have with quantum quantum particles that it can be spinning one way or the other. Um, and then it's only when it's observed that you actually get plus or minus or however you want to mm -hmm. describe it. Was that something that was first predicted and then observed? Because the prediction made the models of, and we were trying to explain things like, I, I guess, how how electromagnetic magnetic radiation creates light yeah. and light waves and yeah. things like that. This explained it. And then did people observe it? Um. So the history is interesting because this subject is now over 100 years old, which yeah. is funny because we, we used to put it in the course that was called Modern Physics, but it's 100 years old. So we had to rename our course. But you're right with what you mentioned. When we were trying to understand how something that's hot emits light, the only way we could explain that was by realizing that energy was quantized and that 
light comes in little packets called photons, which are little particles. And then what happened is because we realized that light is both a wave and a particle, it turns out everything is both a wave and a particle, even electrons and protons in your body. So you're not made of real particles. Your particles are more like <laughs> wavesicles, I suppose. You yeah. Can imagine, right? if you we're made of nothing, aren't we? We're nothing. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, we're, we're big wastes of space. But but don't believe that. Just remember that your, your parents and Doctor Who think you're all special, so that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, and so is Santa. He's special too. Or they yeah. special. Or she's special. Yeah. Now, um, how does Santa, however, even if he's a quantum particle, well, maybe that explains how Santa could get into a locked house. But if we go back to Santa as a human figure, a human-like thing, with superpowers, Santa powers. How does Santa A squeeze down very narrow chimneys, B get into houses and Christmas trees where there are no chimneys at all? Yeah. So actually, I think you've just pointed it out yourself because where um, you say that we're waste of space. What what do I mean by that? Because um, most of the mass of what gives us our weight on the Earth is in the nucleus of our atoms, which are. Uh, 10,000 times smaller, sorry, 100,000 times smaller than our atoms, which are already 10 billionths of a meter across. So these are really, really tiny things giving us a mass. Now, if I was Santa, I would try and modify physics in such a way that we would shrink down atoms smaller and smaller until they're, so like take away the, the gaps and space in our atom, because then we can come really, really tiny. And then you would be easily able to, you wouldn't even have to um, go down the chimney you could climb through a crack in the wall so you know we, we've seen a similar thing in Ant-Man in the Marvel movies so you know it's this kind of thing that we've all got this space let's take it out and shrink ourselves down so that's how I would do it otherwise you would have to go to some quantum mechanical thing and think about how you can change your size or your wavelength if you was going very very fast or something and, and tunnel quantum mechanically through a wall which in theory you can do it though it's very unlikely are you saying um, we'd have to become like the material of a neutron star, say, which yeah. has, has got um, where the atoms have lost some of the components that an atom normally has under pressure, yeah. and yeah. so it becomes incredibly dense. But yet we'd be yes. we'd be. I, I mean, I don't know if you can answer this question, but say say um, your typical. I mean, a neutron star. What what a teaspoon of something weighs. Is a, of, of material a might weigh the, tons, yeah, weighs the size of a small country or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Something, something mind-bogglingly massive. Yet it's just a teaspoon in space. So, say if if that your average human might be seventy kilograms, if mm -hmm. if was compressed down to the the same uh, into the same density as a neutron star, how much space would we take up? Just a few atoms, normal atoms. Probably about the size of a normal atom. You're right. Yeah. My Actually, goodness. Right. I think that's about right. I mean, and just thinking another way you can make your atoms smaller is one of the reasons they're so big. I'm hoping I'm getting this right because otherwise all the physicists in the country will be saying, Jan, you're wrong. Um, if we take all the electrons out of our atoms, we can replace them with a heavier type of an electron, which is called a muon. And so actually that would shrink all the atoms down to being smaller because they would have smaller orbits. So actually, we would, could do that because, again, we've got these copies of electrons like muons and taus, which are just heavier versions, but exactly the same particle. Although you wouldn't have very long because muons do decay. And but also, again, Dan, if we were so, if we were compressed down, and then we wouldn't, A, could we even function as humans? We couldn't, could we? 
Well, that's the thing. If you were to do it in some way, to just made your atoms smaller, but the chemistry was still the same, then you'd be fine. But whether you'd experience faster or slower time, I don't know. But that'd be the thing. Is I mean, so going to a neutron star density, you're right. You would have trouble because you'd be neutrons and you'd be a very different kind of material. Ah. But if we were to do the other way of just making the atoms smaller so the chemistry was the same, you could still live. But you've got me onto something else now, Jan, and that is that if we are really dense... Would we warp space-time, and would that allow us to, would time move more slowly for us or more quickly for us if we are trying to get around the world in one night to deliver a whole lot of presents? Um, Do you see what I mean here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you're you're closer to a really big source of gravity, like say you're next to a massive, supermassive black hole, Time, the closer you are, the faster time will move, won't it? So a minute Um, for you might actually be, um, so it's going to be the opposite problem, isn't it? A minute for you would be about a year for somebody else maybe or something like that. A minute for for somebody by the black hole is um, the person outside the black hole watching a person go to the black hole would have a year. The person at the black hole would only go towards a, a few minutes. Okay, well, that's then, the movie... then that wouldn't help, would it? It's actually going to make it even harder to get around the planet in time. Unless you were to put the entire... If you were to put a black hole at the centre of the Earth, and then you could slow time down, because, I mean, time does go slower on the Earth than it does in space. Yes. Because of the gravitational field. So if somehow you could locally increase the gravity of the Earth, then you could jump up and down. And if you could somehow have some fantastic special gravitational field, then you would be able to have the effect you, uh, you're talking about to give Santa the extra time. If, if we, we don't place... have the ability to, to harness gravity in this way, mm-hmm. and I don't even know if it's the laws of physics allow one to do this, how fast would Santa have to go, do you think, to get around to every home in the world. And we remember, we do have one thing here in Santa's favour, and that is that, of course, it's not it's basically like 24 hours. Say if Santa's arriving uh, between midnight and 1am on Christmas morning, around the world there are 24 midnight to 1am's in the international clock, aren't there? And so yeah. he's, got, he's, got a, he's got a day to do this. Yeah. But could he? Well, How fast would he have to go? Um, well, yeah, very fast is the very thing. So I did check this. I went and did the calculations and found out what other people did or how many people calculated it. So it turns out you'd have to travel something like a million metres a second, which is about 3,000 times faster than the speed of sound, which is a problem because you can't go that fast because you'd end up slamming in the, 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 there it's like if you're going into the air basically it's like slamming into a uh, brick wall because you're going so fast because I mean the fastest thing we've ever had is like going I think is about Mac, uh, 7 or 8 so 7 or 8 times the speed of light sound um, so basically you can't do it and that's because you've got something like um, however many million children you have in how many other homes and the average distance between each home and that's how you can work it out and of course I think Google do this every year because they always have their Santa tracker but, but Santa didn't appear to ever go that fast. But obviously they've worked it out somehow. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's, I mean, even to go around the Earth, you have to still go about 200 metres a second. But there, that's just going once round. It's not going to all the other different places. So um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how Santa gets that one. He must have something made of very strong material that can just cut through air like it's water. And oh, and has to do it without creating a sonic boom. Because, you yeah, know, Santa plus the presence, the mass of the presence plus Santa plus the eight rain, is it eight? Was it 12? I can't remember now off the top of my head. It's quite a few reindeer. It's going to create quite a loud sonic boom, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, the other funny thing is, because if they're going that fast, I came up with another thing to actually estimate how fast Santa is going, which is where um, an explanation for Rudolph's nose, why it's glowing red. So if you were to see Rudolph coming towards you, and if they're going fast enough, um, you know, it's, it's emitting radiation because we're hot, we're all emitting infrared radiation. Well, maybe I thought uh, Rudolph is going so fast that the infrared radiation is given off will be shifted into the red. The problem is, when you work out how fast that is, it's actually something like 99% speed of light. So it's even faster than what you'd have to go to get everywhere, which is good. But then again, you still would crash into the air and you get crushed just by trying to go so fast. So um, I would have thought the yeah. friction in the air alone would make Rudolph's nose glow red and all the other reindeer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That could actually explain Santa's red suit. It's the friction, the air friction going so fast. Yeah, yeah, and that would happen just right before he vaporizes. So um, that's probably not not a good sign. It, it seems to me like we're we're struggling with Santa. We're struggling. There, there, there. It's this is Occam's razor at its sharpest, wouldn't you say, Jan? Yeah. Well, yeah, but then you know, I, I would say maybe there's not one Santa. Maybe if Santa had cloning technology, this is a better way. Maybe there's there's many versions of his same self. Um, so you know, if, if Santa was to actually have a biologist rather than a physicist. Um, maybe they could then clone themselves or even just have many siblings and they all take a town away. So maybe it's not just one center. We have many different sentai that all go and try and get around everyone as quickly. And it's better to try and do things all at once in a parallel stream rather than just having one person doing everything. Here's one last possibility. And that is that you are able to maybe control time, warp it, and maybe you've got what Star Trek has, which is the ability to what is it, energize, you know, beam beam Santa down and beam mm. Santa down into the lounges and Christmas trees of everyone pretty much at the same time because you're slowing time down where mm -hmm. Santa is and yeah. Santa's able to get everything done and you're able to transform trans, get transfer matter from, from wherever Santa's based to the lounge of each person in 24 hours between in the 24 hour period you know we've got 12 mm -hmm. 12 midnight to 1 a.m because i reckon that's the magic hour that that might work wouldn't it jan definitely yeah so. but then matter <laughs> well there is the matter energy transporter that we've seen in star trek but we all have those um it, it's but it's so in um star trek they have something wonderful called a heisenberg compensator which gets around this inherent uncertainty, which is easy to say, but complex to understand, which is where it's, you, you can't know, both know the position and how fast something is going very accurately. If you know one accurately, the other one's got to be more uncertain. So you can't actually take something apart at a subatomic level and put it back together. So that's one issue. But then even if you could do that, you've got to look at how many atoms there are. If you want to recreate something, you need to know exactly how many atoms there are and how many there are. And actually, if you look at that and how the connections, the problem becomes quite simple because there's not enough there's not enough computer memory on the planet 
to actually store how something like a bike or a Santa or something else is put together. So there you're running against a problem, not that the physics doesn't work, which is one thing, but then we need a computer to do it. And we cannot actually, even with all the computing power on the earth, have a computer powerful enough to transport something from one place to the other, unless maybe Santa has an entire planet somewhere that's just one giant computer. But might we one um, day? What if we, we set up a, a giant supercomputer on the moon? Yeah, maybe the moon is. I, I've heard many things in science fiction about what the moon is. Um, it could be a giant egg. Yeah, it's not. We, we know the interior. I haven't got a giant computer. But um, we would need to go to some new type of computer, computational technology that we don't have. Um, and we're really here stretching at things like, you know, quantum computing, which I don't really understand. I don't understand half of it. But with those sort of things, then then maybe you could try and copy things and transport things. But it requires a real, for that to work, a real shift in a different, in the way that we understand things. So it's tricky. And at the end of all this, Jan, do you believe in Santa Claus? I have to say yes, right? Because I've still got a small child. I mean, also one other thing I read is like, is that we're all a little bit of Santa Claus, right? Because like the best thing about Christmas is giving presents. So, you know, maybe the reason or the way that Santa gets presents everywhere is because everyone loves giving. And so, you know, spreading a little bit of kindness. And by doing that, you know, that's one way that Santa gets around the world. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sci-Fi Sci-Fact, hosted by me, Brian Crump, produced by Andrew Robertson, and of course, made possible thanks to the incredible knowledge of those brilliant scientists at the McDiarmid Institute. You can find more episodes of Sci-Fi Sci-Fact on the RNZ Podcast page. RNZ Podcasts are also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or pretty much wherever you might find your podcasts. And make sure to follow us so you don't miss out on any new episodes. You really are Santa Claus, ain't you? Yes. 